Authentic and mature Christianity is always on the mind of any discipler because it is crucial to discern such things with those who receive our care. We want to know that the person that we're talking to is authentic and they are mature. If they aren't mature in their Christianity, we want to help them to move toward Christian maturity. But it's absolutely essential that they be authentic about where they are currently in their faith. Because once you're able to discern their authenticity, then you're on the same page with them and you're helping to move them along toward Christian maturity. And so as much as you can subjectively understand, the actual spiritual condition of a person is essential to know. Now, I caveat that by saying as much as you can subjectively understand, because I do recognize that all of our assessments are subjective. We don't hold objective truth, and also we're not the bearers of omniscience either, meaning we don't know everything. And so we go into these assessments about the folks that we're trying to serve with a spirit of humility because we just don't know everything. But nevertheless, we have to do the hard work of trying to discern the person in front of us, whether they are authentic or not, because we won't be able to help them. We'll be working on two different planes. And so in this podcast, I want to give you a few practical ways to help you think correctly about those that you love. And as you work through this podcast, would you do me a favor? Would you give proper consideration to yourself also? to see how well you are maturing in Christ, and I will do the same as I have been doing as I've been writing and producing this article. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Life Over Coffee, and I am Rick Thomas. The title of the podcast is The Number One Sign of Authentic Christianity. This is a common question that we receive from our constituency. How do I know that I am a believer? How do I know that my child, my spouse, my parent, my friend is a believer? Well, This podcast is going to answer that question, the number one sign of authentic Christianity. Now, if you want to read this podcast, I am sharing an article with you, and so you can go and get that article that i just given you the title of, and you can read it, and you will find many embedded links inside of it. Uh, if you want to search for it, just type in the word authentic or authentic Christianity, and it will pop up for you. Just go to the search box and type that in, and you will uh, be able to pull up this article, and you'll spend a lot of time because I have embedded links here. I also have a one-hour webinar, and so you could spend six months inside this article and really do an deep dive into this idea of authentic Christianity. Why is it important? Because how you begin a discipleship relationship with someone is going to influence the type of discipleship that you offer them. Your starting point will determine your ending point. It will also establish your trajectory. And so you want to start at the same place as the person that you're helping. You don't want to assume. Let me give you an example. If you misjudge your assessment of an individual, you will not be able to help them the way that you had hoped to help them because, again, you were starting at two different places. Thus, you want to be precise on what you're looking for 
and what you expect from those that you are serving. And I trust that this podcast will bring clarity to those things. Now, initially, the main thing that you want to know is the person's genuineness. I mean, do they really want to be here? Do they really want your help? Do they really want you to speak into their lives? Are they genuine? I have an article on our website. It's titled something like, Counseling is a Lying Profession. And what I mean by that is, is that people lie to me all the time. And historically, people have just lied to me. They have not been genuine, even though they were sitting in front of me in a counseling office. Now, when I say that you're looking for genuineness in a person, I'm not talking about genuine, 100% perfect faith. We, we can't. We can't exhibit that. In fact, if we're trying to exhibit that, we're, we're being fake because none of us are perfect. But what I mean by the word genuineness, I'm talking about a non-pretentious individual. You are looking for their truth, their reality, whatever that is. You see, everybody lives according to their unique standard, their unique understanding, their unique reality. And by the way, The truth that we live by never mirrors God's Word perfectly. And and again, that's what I mean by genuineness, being genuine to who they are. I don't live according to God's Word perfectly, and neither do you, and neither will those whom you disciple. But so I'm not suggesting here that you become cynical or suspicious or even bring uncharitable judgments about anyone not living according to God's Word perfectly because none of us are. But you must realize there is always inconsistency between the person you are caring for and the Christ that they must imitate. And so if a person comes to you for help, the most caring thing you can do for them is assume there is a gap between where they are and where they need to be. We all live in that gap. And your job, my job, our job is to figure out where they are and what it will take to close that gap. And so one of the first assessments that you want to make with the person that you're helping is their genuineness. Are they being honest Because if they're not, then again, you're starting in two different places, and it will be very hard to help them. Let me give you an illustration. A few years ago, I was counseling a teenage girl struggling with God. And during the first, I would say, 10 minutes of our counseling session, I asked her if she loved God. And she said that she did love God. And so I followed up, and I asked her, why do you love God? And she said, quote, because he first loved me, to which I exclaimed, stop that. I'm not talking, I'm not looking for what the Bible says. Tell me what you think. That's exactly what I said to her. And she asked in a quizzical and and kind of a, a fearful way, really? And I said, yes, absolutely. And then she began to tell me about her anger toward God, and I thanked her. She was surprised that I would rejoice for telling me about her anger toward the Lord. But the truth is that she revealed her truth, her reality, where she is. She was being genuine. And that is exactly what you want from someone. And you want to create that kind of environment within your marriage, within your parenting, if you have children, 
within your friendship relationships. You want to create that kind of environment where people can be honest about who they are and where they are and what they are thinking. And then you have a non-pretentious genuineness there, and you know where you can begin. But sometimes when you're helping Christians, they automatically go into Christian speak without thinking. These, these believers went through Christianized training to provide Bible answers while hiding the actual truth. And once they begin sharing their truth, who they are and what they believe, then you can start the process of soul care. But getting to this spot in a relationship is more challenging than you might think. A Christianized culture has a particular kind of behaviorism that is hard to analyze, and it's hard to break through the layers of the religion. And so as you're trying to answer the question, the number one sign of authentic Christianity, one of the points that you want to consider is a person's genuineness, because only after they are being, or as they are being genuine, will you have the ability to make a true assessment if they are an authentic Christian. And so when you are assessing a person to help them, what is the most significant character trait you hope they will exhibit? Or according to the title of this podcast, what is the number one sign of authentic Christianity? If you can name just one sign of authentic Christianity that you would like to see from them, what would it be? Now, I want to give you three essential ones that most folks say, and I'm sure that you will be able to add a few others to my little short list. But hear this, though these three things I'm going to share with you are good, they should not be the most important thing or the most important sign when trying to discern authentic Christianity. So here is one thing that that points toward possibly authentic Christianity, and that is humility. And many people would say humility. That is the character trait. And this response is a reasonable answer, but people can fake humility. Anybody can be kind, and I'm using that as a synonym for humility, and it's easy to equate kindness to humility. The problem with humility is it is hard to discern, especially if decency and kindness And even serving are the evidence of the humble heart, because people can be decent, people can be kind, people can be servants. But of course, when you begin to see patterns of anger or patterns of stubbornness, you'll quickly figure out that it may not be genuine humility that you are observing. And so even though humility is a good goal to strive toward, and it is a characteristic that should define who we are, that is not the number one sign of authentic Christianity. And then the second one is honesty being honest. I've kind of talked about that already, about being genuine, which you could say is being honest. And some people would say that they look for honesty. But people can also distort honesty. You see, my friend who says she loved God appeared to be honest, but the truth is that she was lying. Most Christians do not tell big, bold lies. We're too Christianized and too sophisticated for that kind of tomfoolery. Lying is more than black versus white. By the way, I have an infographic inside this article where I, I, 
a graphically illustrated the differences between a a bold truth and a bold lie and then some of the gradations of white and black are are listed or pictured here in this graphic you see a person who spins the truth typically instead of telling big fat lies they're doing one of three things they're either leaving out parts of the truth or they're adding to the truth or they are avoiding the truth all of which I have depicted here in this infographic, and all three of those things, leaving out parts of the truth, adding to the truth, or avoiding the truth, all of those are forms of lying. And again, most Christians will live in those three spheres of leaving out parts or adding parts or avoiding the truth rather than telling big fat lies. And though honesty is good to look for in a person, Honesty can be distorted and twisted to the point to where it's hard to discern if the person is truly genuine, like my friend I was illustrating earlier. And then a third characteristic that some people say is serving. And so some will say humility, some will say honesty, others will say serving. I mean, one of the goals of counseling is for the person to learn how to serve others But typically, a struggler is more self-centered, especially when they're on the early stages of receiving help. And the goal is to teach them to consider others more than themselves. And one of the ways that you'll know when the discipleship time is over is when the disciplee becomes more of a servant giver rather than a selfish taker. But even so, you can fake serving You can learn the rules, the ropes. You can learn the list. You can learn the do's and don'ts. You can learn the behavior. I mean, just like humility and honesty. I mean, how many of us have seen pastors and elders and deacons and ministry leaders and small group leaders exposed for their heinous sins, yet all of them came across as humble, honest, servants, And though most of them loved the Lord, there was undiscernible deception working deep in their hearts. And there are many essential Christian traits that you should be looking for when discipling someone. I just gave you three. But remember that we all can fake out each other. I mean, here are a few things we can learn to do out of habit And maybe even unwittingly, we do these things, kindness, graciousness, respect, honoring, doing your homework from a counseling session, being punctual, being on time, not gossiping, and even exercising self-control. But for me, there is one thing that rises above every other valued Christian trait. Now, when I mention all these other these previous ones, I'm not saying that they're bad necessarily. But I'm saying that that can be a learned behavior, and so therefore, if you want to discern a person's authentic faith, you need to dial in on something else besides those things. It is the main thing that I'm looking for in a person. It is the main thing that I look for in myself. It is the one thing that is hard to fake. That essential thing is repentance. You can use the word change, if you wish. A person who is changing, evolving, transforming, progressing, repentance. 
you could add the words responsive, responsive teachableness, meaning that they will listen to you because they want to change. Humility, honesty, serving, as well as the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are excellent character traits, and we should model these Christ-like qualities. But still, it is hard at times to distinguish between the real and the fake fruit, and there is a reason. Jesus gave us the story of the tares among the wheat in Matthew thirteen twenty-four. He put another parable before them, saying the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. And from that point, he continues to talk about the tares among the wheat. The discerning discipler is going to be looking underneath the fruit to find the root of a person's life. That primary root thing that you're looking for is repentance. You see, it is repentance that grows all of that fruit. The repentant person is exhibiting fruit because they have changed their former manner of life into a new person that looks like Christ. And so repentance is the key thing. I mean, there's a specific repentance that leads to death. That kind of repentance can be ferreted out quickly. You can discern that. Paul talked about that kind of repentance in 2 Corinthians 7.10. But the repentance that leads to life will be evident. You see, discipleship is like walking up steps. There is consistent, forward, upward progression. When you see a person consistently moving forward and upward in an incremental progression, you're probably looking at a repentable soul. There is a measurable an objective change in a person's life. Now, while someone may fake humility, it will only take a car ride home after the church meeting with a spouse to see if they are repented, if they are a repenting person. You see, in private with someone, you may get the nods of affirmation and we're going to do better, only to find out the next day that the person blew up again at their spouse and refuses to come back to see you. This gets into what I was saying earlier about counseling being a lying profession. People can come to counseling and appear to be honest, appear to be humble, appear to have a servant's heart, appear to uh, live out all these other character traits that I've mentioned thus far. And then you get the email from the spouse, you get the phone call from the spouse, or you meet the spouse at the church meeting next Sunday and find out that they haven't changed at all, that they aren't changing at all. An authentic Christian is willing and able to change. How could it be otherwise? The point of Christianity is about change. The focus of the gospel is to transform us from darkness to light. Christ came to change us. Repentance, or change, if you prefer that word, is the heart of what Christianity is about. And if a person is not transforming, he is denying and defying what he claims to be. It would be like a human being saying, I am not going to grow. How could it be? That is death, not life. God built us to grow and change. And similarly, you must challenge whether the person is a Christian 
if they are not walking up those steps in a consistent, forward, progressive manner, even if they are stumbling up them. Repentance is the one fruit that produces all of the other, or it is the root that produces all of this fruit. If repentance is not under the believer's other fruit, the other fruit will not last. You could say, as Luther did, that the Christian life is a life of repentance and ongoing repenting. Now, this concept does not mean a Christian will not sin, will not fail, will not make mistakes. We know better than that. We understand the doctrine of progressive sanctification as a work in progress. By the way, failure is one of the most obvious ways to tell if a person is authentically a Christian. Failure is a huge and wonderful and redemptive opportunity to tell if that person is genuinely a believer. When a Christian sins, when he fails, there should be an internal compelling within him to change. If this compelling is not is true, then at least two subcomponents of repentance will point the person back to genuineness. There will be two things that will happen if they have a compelling from the Spirit of God to change. One would be brokenness. You see, there is a misery element to the Christian who sins. If he continues to choose not to repent, the heavy hand of God will bear down on him, like what David said in Psalm 32, because God is in him. If God is genuinely in him and he sins, then the heavy hand of God is going to come down on him and he's going to exhibit brokenness when he sins because he will be grieving God. Paul talked about how the sinning person grieves God. Do not grieve the Spirit of God. And so there will be a misery element that will break out on you. Contrition or brokenness is one of the things that I'm looking for when discerning if a person is an authentic Christian. Does he show misery? Is he sorrowful? How broken is he about what he did? And so if you want to discern if a person is repentant or not, one of the subcategory elements that, or components that you're looking for is brokenness. And the other is teachability. Like repentance, he could fake sorrow. Maybe he's faking brokenness. Some of you have already thought about that that he appears to be broken because he's exhibiting brokenness because he wants to get something out of this. He wants to restore his marriage or or get something back that he lost. Therefore, th- though I do admit that you can break sorrow, he can show a sorrow that leads to death. That's why you're looking for another corresponding sign in addition to sorrow, which is teachability. He is teachable because he wants to learn. Why? He has a compelling interest. He has the spirit, a grieved spirit inside of him that motivates him to want to learn, to change, to grow. And so one of the ways that you can measure if a person is genuinely repentant, are they exhibiting brokenness for what they did? And then out of that brokenness comes a desire to grow, learn, change. They have a teachable spirit. If God is in you, he will stir you up to want to change, to repent. The unteachable person is not like this at all. 
He does not grieve over his sin, and he does not like to learn to change. Here are a few characteristics of that kind of person. If you're like this, if I'm like this, if the person that you're helping is like this, then they are not a repenting person. They may exhibit brokenness, but they're not teachable because they exhibit some of these qualities. Here's a list. Argumentative. They're drowning in self-pity. They're resistant to change. They're blamed the problems on others. They justify. They accuse. They rationalize. They're defensive. They anger easily. They make excuses. They manipulate. They're defiant. They're deceptive. They push back. If any of these things are happening, then they may be exhibiting sorrow, but they're not teachable. And again, sorrow and teachability make up a repentant heart. And by the way, we're all capable of such things as I've just listed here. And I suspect we've all done such or some of these as Christians. But if we are Christians, we can regain, we will regain our spiritual senses and we will repent. Even if we go into an argumentative space or or, or an argumentative season, even if we tend to push back, eventually... Because we're genuine Christians, teachability will begin to overtake us. We do this because our primary desire is to honor God or to glorify God. We want to change for the sake of Christ and the sake of others, to love God and love others more than anything else. Therefore, we're motivated to change, even though we may have a season of insanity where we're defensive or we make excuses or we push back or maybe we're being deceptive, but we come back to our senses quickly because we're authentic Christians and we want to repent. We want to honor God. We want to change Uh, to love God and, and love others most of all. If a person consistently maintains a spirit of rebellion, there is a good chance he is not a Christian. The primary thing you want to see in anyone's life is their sanctification trending upward, going back to my steps analogy before. You're moving forward and upward. There will be dips along the way, but the general trend is up. And the reason for this is simple. Jesus said it like this, or, or John said it like this in 1 John 4, 4. He said, quote, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's why repentance is the authentic sign of Christianity, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And so he is going to motivate us to change, to repent. And we will be able to measure that by our brokenness and our teachability. Now, just let me to circle back. These other qualities are fantastic qualities, humility, honesty, serving. These are wonderful things that we want to exhibit in our lives, just like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are good qualities that we want to exhibit, but there is something that's greater than them all, a deeper motivation that is pushing us toward repentance that's born out of a broken spirit and a desire to be taught so that we can become more and more Christ-like, so that we can love God and love others most of all. The title of the podcast is The Number One Sign 
of authentic Christianity. It is repentance. And if you're not familiar with how to repent, I have a one-hour webinar here called The Doctrine of Repentance, The Christian Secret Weapon. All you have to do is push play, and you can watch this one-hour webinar, and it will walk you through the steps of repentance. Let me ask you a couple of questions. How are you trending? As a Christian, are you moving forward and upward? Number two, are you teachable? And maybe you could say, ask a friend. Will you ask a friend if you're teachable? By the way, if you are teachable, you will ask a friend that because you want to learn. You're already thinking about asking a friend because you are a repenting person. You want to change, grow, and mature. And so therefore, rather than trusting your own assessment, you would like to get someone else's assessment because you want to grow. You're truly humble, and you want to learn so that you can keep on growing. Number three, do you have an element of misery when you sin? Is there that element of brokenness? And so the two things that really support a repentant heart is the misery element. I'm broken over what I have done, and I am teachable. I want to learn so I don't do it again. And then number four, does the Spirit of God compel you to repent after you sin. Now, if you have any questions about this podcast, I would love for you to come to our website. We are a dialogue ministry. Uh, We are underwritten by a few folks that financially support us, and so that allows us to keep our resources free. This podcast is free. The article I just shared with you is free. The Doctrine of Repentance one-hour webinar is yours, too, and we would love to meet you on our forums. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.